0: Church family. Uh, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 27. And as I said throughout this whole study through the book of Acts, uh, one of the cool things is that we see God's providence. And that is a doctrine, I think, personally for me, been something I've been reading and thinking a lot about the last two years, particularly through the pandemic, um, because I think when we understand Uh, God's sovereignty and providence, it gives us hope knowing that we are always being secure in the will of God as long as we're faithful to him. And when we get to Acts 27, we see that that God is ultimately going to use events to draw people to him and move people to where he wants them to go. And here we see that uh, Paul here is headed to Rome. This is something that is really important a prophetic statement all the way from Acts chapter 23. Um, uh, God tells him, take courage uh, as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. And from 20 chap- Acts chapter 23 to Acts 27, this is like years later. Uh, so you will have to wonder, is God really going to fulfill his promise? And after Paul went through one trial after another, one defense after another, he eventually sees God's hand in bringing him to Rome. Uh, Paul knew he was going to get there, and he just kept trust, entrusting himself to the Lord. And as he uh, sees the moment, he just becomes courageous and to and just continues to um, move forward and see God's plan, which gives him uh, courage. And that's what I want to look at for us today, is as we look at uh, how Paul dealt with. Difficult circumstances and uh, trials of the world is that uh, if he, he when you understand just like how Paul understands that if you are walking in accordance to God and trusting in the Lord that there's nothing to be afraid of. And that's a really valuable lesson for us, especially in this day and age. So let's begin uh, for uh, Acts chapter 27. We're going to just look at half of this chapter today, and then we'll look at the other half next time. So beginning Acts chapter 27 verse 1 when it was decided that we would sail for Italy and this is interesting here when you see the word we it means that Luke is finally back in the fold uh, up to this point you know Paul's in prison he was separated from everyone and a lot of the account that Luke is writing here's just uh he's, he's re- recounting the situation but at this point Paul and Luke are finally reunited and there's probably others as well but it's just fascinating that uh, he's finally using the first first-person plural here, that uh, we will sail for Italy. Uh, they proceed to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. So this is a huge group of people. Um, you know, centurions about like 100 or so. So, uh, And if you think of all the prisoners as well, it's probably around like 200, 300 people. And there's one uh, journey to Rome. Uh, so there's a lot of them. Uh, verse 2, and embarking in an Aradamantine ship, which is about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to uh, sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. Now, it's just interesting to see right in the beginning that uh, they're actually willing to let Luke and other disciples and friends follow them. And it seems to imply that Festus uh, knew that he was innocent and that he wasn't uh, guilty and he wanted to do something to make up uh, to Paul for what's going on. So he's like, hey, why don't you just go with some of your friends? Uh, why don't you find your friends, uh, uh, join you in this? And the reason why that is because in verse 3 says, the next day we put in Sidon and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. So again, this is several years and uh, Paul was beaten badly and he's now finally have an opportunity to go and receive care uh, in his, with his friends. So, you know, Luke was probably treating him as well because you know, Luke is a physician, but he probably brought him out to other uh, doctors to, to take a look at him, to see if there's any ways he could bandage some of the wounds and help Paul. And it's implied in the past, like Galatians and First Corinthians that Paul, you know, physically did not look well, whether he had an eye problem. Or physically, he would just you know, deteriorate from all the flogging and beatings and uh, and everything else that he uh, needed care. And that's actually what the word receive care is, a medical term to to mean uh, to take care of him uh, physically. So um, because of uh, Paul's faithfulness, uh, God provided a means by which he was being protected and even have care. And this is something that we understand that, you know, when you're in a context of a church, you will always have people to be with you during times of the trial. There's Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, about how a friend, some friends are just made for trials. They're just fit for those types of circumstances. And I know that as, as we continue to grow and walk along uh, with one another, we will be like the Proverbs 17:70, 17, 17 friend. A friend loves at all time and a brother is born for adversity. Paul was with with a whole group of other people that were willing to uh, care for him and and really endure all of this with him. And I think that's a lesson for us as friends and believers in the context of the body is that we need to learn to endure suffering with one another. That in times of trials and persecution, it's very easy to flee, uh, but a true friend sticks closer, especially during times of adversity. And Paul had that. Paul had Luke and probably others as well that was able to care for him uh, physically during time when it was not easy to do so. Verse four. From there we put out to we were for there we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. So this time when they're traveling, and just even like now, and when I know some of our church people go on cruises, there are certain seasons that are just better traveled than others. And, it, and back then, the best time to travel was most likely the summer. Uh, yeah, it's so summer, spring, summertime, because the winds were not that bad. But for them in that area, they probably, most likely travel around late summer or early fall, because winter would have been really difficult for them to go. So they wanted to go earlier, or at least around that time, so that they could miss the winter season, or so that it has to get to the winter seasons. Verse 6, there the center found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. So there's some sort of transfer being made, and he's going to go to uh, Rome. Verse 7, and when when we had sailed uh, slowly for a good many days, and with difficulty had arrived at, at Sinaitis, since the wind did not permit us to go further, we sailed under the shelter of Crete, of Salmon. So... They were, uh, it took them a while to get there and they went to the open sea and they couldn't handle the wind. So, uh, eventually they tried to get away from the wind, but they weren't able to do so. Um, so now they're, again, it took them time to get there, uh, or at least to move forward to where they needed to go, which is Rome. Verse 8, is said, with difficult sailing past it, came to a place called Fairhavens near, uh, which was the city of Lycia, uh, and eventually they got through and they landed this place. And remember, all of this, although in scripture it seems like it happens very quickly, but in the context of what was going on, it, it was a span of like weeks and months. And you can imagine just how nerve-wracking and how frustrating it is when they're trying to move these 200-some people to from one place uh, to another. And they just kept getting delayed, and then there's all these different uh weather problems and making it difficult it puts us you know some of us when we go to airports or we travel we, we get frustrated when things get delayed but at least we're in the comfort of an airport but here there's like you know the elements were bothering them and there with all of these other people and prisoners and just waiting to see what's going to happen next uh first time when considerable time had passed the voyage was now dangerous since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them and said to them, "May I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss not only of the cargo and the ship but also of our lives." So he's warning them here uh Paul is just warning them, don't do go on the trip uh it's going to be very difficult because it's starting to reach the part where it's like past fall as it going get, getting into the the winter time verse eleven, but the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship. Then, but what was Paul saying? So he doesn't listen to Paul's warning. Again, this, I'm not saying that as Christians uh, we're supposed to be able to be masters of weather or, or, or current events, um, but sometimes we understand that sometimes Christians are going to say things outright and the world's not going to listen. They're not going to listen to reason or anything like that. And that's just a normal reaction to it, but uh, you know, that's just how the world works. Um, first of all, because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out. To see from there if somehow they could reach phoenix harbor of crete facing southwest and northwest and spend the winter there so they hoped to reach there because they knew that that's place where there would be safety verse 13. when a moderate south wind came up and supposed that they had attained their purpose they weighed and anchored and began sailing along crete close inshore so the reason that why that is is because in case something happens they could be you know go go back into the shore so they wanted they didn't want to pull too far into the sea um because in case something bad happens, they could escape, or at least have a higher chance of escaping. But we see that's not the case. Verse 14. But before very long, they rushed down from the land a violent wind called Aquilo And when the ship was caught in it and kind of faced the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. So this wind, this typhoon-like wind just blew them away. So they wanted to go close and they're like, nope, that's not the case. Uh, they're in other words, you imagine what the captain's probably thinking, like, oh, man, we should listen to this Paul guy. Uh, they probably thought that it's over for them. Verse 16. Running under the shelter of a small island called Claudia, we were seriously able to get the ship's boat under control. Uh, after they hoisted it up, they used supporting cables and undergirding the ship and fearing that they might run around on the shallows of uh, Citrus. They let down a sea anchor, and this way they let themselves be driven along. Next day, as we were... Being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. On Thursday, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. But this is just so sad. Like they, they realize after several days of like throwing away their cargo and trying to do their best to survive, uh, it's like they lost hope. Um, and it's during the time when, there's, when things seem to be the most difficult, this is where Christians need to rise and be able to, um, to give courage and, and give comfort. Because as Christians, we know that the worst thing that can happen to us as Christians is that we get to go to glory. We die and we get to go to glory. That's not a bad thing. It might be difficult and scary before from now until that point, but, it, but in the grand scheme of things, the worst thing that can happen to us is already, to, is already dealt with on the cross. So for us, Death should not be so fearful, uh, which should summon courage during a time of great uh, turmoil. And when I look at the times now with all this COVID situation and, you know, economy seemingly not doing well and uh, all these social unrest, Christians should be the most courageous because we know that nothing in this world lasts. It's what the scriptures are described, that the world of progress get worse and worse. And Christians should always be willing to stand up. And, and give courage and give other people courage by speaking truth into your lives. This is what Paul did, verse 21. When they had gone a long time without food, and Paul stood up in the midst and said, men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from creed and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. So this sounds, you know, like a rebuke, like you should have listened to me before, which, you yeah, know, they should have. Uh, hindsight is 20, 20 and Paul says, telling them, look, don't worry about it. You, we will all be safe. Don't lose your courage. Uh, we'll, we'll make it. Um, and the reason why that is is verse twenty-four. This very night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me and saying, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you." So I thought I find it very fascinating because Paul saying, "Look, I'm going to have to go um, to Rome. Like I, uh, I'm not going to die here." Uh, I'm going to get to Rome at some point. So it's really a blessing for all of you. The fact that I have a promise from the Lord to go and be tried by Caesar here. And that's just the reality sometimes of being a Christian in a fallen world. Like the Lord blesses us. And sometimes in our blessing, us, the society around us are also blessed. You know, kind of like when God says he give, He reigns on the righteous and the wicked, or even in the context of marriage, sometimes the, the believing spouse gets blessed by the Lord in that blessing to that believing spouse gets poured out to the unbelieving spouse as well so there is in a sense as if we continue to live faithful lives around us we uh, the people in our lives uh, will receive some sort of uh, benefits just because of our faithfulness um, and that all the time but that, that's just general sometimes this happens and you know we have to see god's providence in that that like the Lord is um, the reason why we are safe is why other people, even a non-believing life, our friends and family are safe is mainly because of God's doing in our life. Uh, this isn't to be proud of our own salvation, but to praise the Lord for how he's good and taking care of us and even those that do not uh, worship him. And uh, and that's what happens. And verse 25, Therefore, take up your encouragement, for I believe that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. So Paul is just telling them, you know, this is what's going to happen, and God will prove Himself to you that everything that uh, that happened, that will happen, uh, will take place. And in that courage and his faithfulness is supposed to show them that the the God of the Scriptures is the one true God. And at the time uh, when Paul was talking to these people, remember these are like you know the Romans. They they believe in like Poseidon and and others that can control the sea, and much like how in the jonah account uh, people became fearful when jonah was tossed in the water and then the storm stopped this is a similar instance too where god is going to show himself to be faithful through this entire shipwreck, and I, I and I wouldn't be surprised if some people got saved because of this. That um, through this event, um, they saw God's providence in Paul's life, and like, okay, Paul had to go through every single trial, and it had to be sent to Rome, and then it's through that that I was able to understand and know that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that the the God that Paul worship is the one true God. So even though this seems like it's just a uh, one calamity after another for Paul, it was actually a way to draw people to the Lord and even to counter those who were worshiping Poseidon and other false gods to show them that their gods cannot save them but only the God that Paul worshiped was able to rescue them. So that's it for us today. Uh, I think that's just a big lesson for us is that as we're being faithful to the Lord and we've derived courage from God, um, from God's word and his promises that it should lead us to live a courageous life with those around us. Hope that this was helpful. Take care and have a great day.